All right, everybody. This is, uh, of course, episode 24 for the Tour de Todd Cycling Podcast. And let me tell you something. I got a dude on here today. I'm, I'm really happy to speak to this man. I followed him for years. Yes, I am a track nut. So to finally sit down and speak with Hasim McLean from Trinidad, Tobago. It is uh, Tobago. I, I told you I'd screw it up. Dagnabbit. Trinidad, Tobago. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to speak to this man because he is truly a great cyclist and, and a great human. So, Hasim, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Ducking and dodging the, the virus right now. Yeah. You know, doing what I need to do. Wash, sanitize. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Okay, let me, let, me, let me start out with this. What I know is that you started out riding at four years old. Is that right? Yeah, they're about that. Talk to me about getting on the bike and when did you know it was your thing? All right. So what, what happened was <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> uh, my dad said he went to a grocery store to, to do some shopping around Christmas time. Next to the grocery store, there was like a toy store of some sort and um, they had bikes outside. And my dad said, I got on the bike and he had enough time to go into the grocery, do his grocery shopping and come back. And I would not leave without him getting me the bike. So he bought the bike. And he said, I, I think he said I was either three or four. And um, he bought the bike, he got home. And he said within 45 minutes, the training wheels were off. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, so after that, we started, he started carrying me to um, Skinner Park in San Fernando, and we just got going, and um, like a, a month later or so, there was a race. I came forth, and I cried, and I, did, I didn't like to lose, and that was the beginning of it there. Wow. Okay, so did you, did you ever race on the road, or was it strictly straight to the track? Well, um, the culture in Trinidad is that we do both as at least up until juniors. Now that you are seeing the um, prevalence of better track sprinters is because the culture is shifting a bit and we are specializing a bit earlier. So maybe 15, 16 year olds going to say, well, I only do road or I only do track. But before we do everything. So guys would ride eight events at nationals. I mean, even Justin. Justin is a points race national champion in 2011 or 12. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> and he's a, he's a world-class sprinter. Yeah. That's a yeah, so that's how <laughs> Damn. Okay, so how was your – you had a pretty good junior career. And when did you first get your – what was it like racing as a junior in, in Trinidad, Tobago? Tobago. God dang it. I'm going to keep blowing it up. And yeah, Emil I, Abraham is going to kill me. Yeah, <laughs> I'll <time> for that. <laughs> when did, when did, how was your junior career and when did you, how, how often did you race and, and when did you finally get that look from the national team? Uh, my junior career, I, well, I didn't try to specialize, but 
with the results that I had, you could only see my career go in one way because I was horrible in anything over like seven or eight laps. <laughs> I was <Wow>. horrible. <laughs> however, however, I do have one junior national road championship title to my name. One. But I'm going to take it. <laughs> I have um, also got like any Omnium. Yeah. That's right. pretty good. So I did as a junior, <laughs> as a junior, I did everything, but I was not producing any results in the longer races. Even in middle distance, I will not be in the podium. I will not be in the top five. Wow. So if anything under probably two kilometers, I'm there. All right. Um. So at 15, right? Yeah, I think 15. That would be 2002 nationals. I did get a bronze at the senior national championship carrying. So there was an invitation for me, and I did get in, and I played Akokela one, Elisha Green second, and I was third. And I think Elisha could have won, but on the turn he kind of waited for me, and I heard him shouting at me like, go, go. But I, I didn't have any more gas. So he passed me, he went up the straight, and it was a photo finish between him and Akko. Akko won. So I think he could have won that. But so it goes sometimes. So that was the first time I um, did anything on a senior stage. And um, 16, well, I had my CXC, high school exam. So it wasn't as good of a year. And in 17, I went Germany. I went to Germany. I trained for three months or so. And then when I came back, well, I did the junior panams. And after that, I started making the national team. Wow. What are there a lot of velodromes? How many velodromes are in your country? Trinidad, there's there is a Rima Velodrome. There well, they're rebuilding Skinner Park right now. There was Petra Train in Santa Flora. Alright. So those were the so Petra Train, Skinner Park, Arima Velodrome. They recently built Kuva, the indoor two fifty. And there was the grass track, Guaracara Park. Yeah. So that, that was it. Wow, that's not bad, actually. Yeah, I, I don't think... Oh, there was the Oval, too. That's right, that's right. W- when did you start doing the international stuff and with the national team? Well, let me, let me ask you this. I've, I've, I've heard good things about the national team for Trinidad, and then I've heard some, some rough stuff. What was your experience on the national team? I see you smiling, so you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, it was mostly good for me. I really didn't have much of an issue. But, um, you know, some guys, they had issues. And um, I personally don't recall any major issue. Mm-hmm. But as a team, I would stand with my teammates. So if other guys had issues, we, we stand together. Now, everyone doesn't think like that. And I think that's where the, the problem is. Right? But I would stand, if the guys have an issue, I would stand with them. Because I would want the same if I had an issue. Yeah. Yeah. When did you start traveling outside of your country? When did you start just doing uh, the bigger races, World Cups? Oh, World Cups. Um, at 17, when I did the trip to Germany. All right, that was my first 
international stint anywhere. Out, well, um, we had the, the when the, there was the West Indies versus the world. Yeah. When that started, I think after the first year, the second year, they had like one weekend in Trinidad, one weekend in Barbados. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was 12 or 13. That would really be my first trip. But after that, at 17, I did the German tour. Uh, I, I trained with Fosterman and Coach Imu, Barry Ford, yeah. those guys. Um, it was a rough, rough, rough three months. <laughs> really? Why? I, just um, transitioning from junior to senior, training full-time, twice a day, the volume, the workload. I think for the first two weeks, I was going to bed 8 p.m. and like sleeping 12 hours a night. So like the first two weeks, I could not. I got... I get dropped on the road ride every day for like a month. Every road ride for a month. Just, I just off the back. <laughs> yeah, it was it, just the change in the volume. Yeah. Okay, so then, yeah, let, then let me ask you this. Um, what is the training for a, let's say, a world-class sprinter of your caliber? What, what type of training is that? Because I don't think many people understand exactly what you guys have to do to compete against the best in the world? The training regime is maybe anywhere from 10 to 12 sessions a week. So you're going to have, I mean, the periodization is, it depends. It, but the vault, you, you normally have 12 sessions, but how they are split up depends on the periodization and how far you are from competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with some coaches that it's maybe early in the season is four, four times a week in the gym. Right? And you're just doing more road riding during that time. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe some sprints on the road bike. And then you get into the bulk of your work, which will be three times a, three times a week in the gym, three, times, three to four times a week on the track. And two, maybe two or three road rides for the week. Maybe, depends. All right. Um, but as you get closer to racing, maybe it goes down to two sessions a week in the gym because you're looking to have higher quality riding on the bike. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. no, really, no one cares how strong you are in the gym. It's about how fast you go on the bike. Right? So, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, traveling the world competing against, I would say you did Dimitri, the, the big Russian. I'm sure you've competed against him. Uh, yeah. the, the Dutch, uh, all the Germans, the Japanese. Well, How did you compare? How did you feel that you compared to those guys? They were, they were better than I was. Why? Well, I mean, again, it's, it's the culture, the system, and so the investments that Russia and the Dutch have put in Trinidad is yet to reach there. All right, so a big part of my career was being or fighting to be able to get to train twice a day. So my dad was my main sponsor because I mean, yeah, if you don't have money, how are you going to eat properly? How are you going to? So, and I think that's a, a, a big problem with a lot of the athletes in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. They, they want to, but it's not there for them. 
because yeah. basically it's 20 years old um the family has to basically give you a full salary to cover your expenses you're going to have to get to and from training every day you need massages supplements food and you still at least a gym fee and that is if your coaches are local if you have an international coach that another bill yeah so and then you don't work anyway you don't have much of an income so your family has to cover that or your sponsors but trend that we don't have too many people supporting the the athlete before they do something big wow okay so this is what i've got correct me if i'm wrong now 14 time national champion 23 yeah. time national medalist i've right. got top 5 finishes at pan am championships top 10 at world cup uh yeah. i would say anybody that has a resume like that can be proud yeah thanks i am i am i mean that is amazing um and 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 not having the funding to do it does that it really makes a difference on a rider when you just don't have the funding but man you did a hell of a job yeah thanks thanks who I mean, my dad was Yeah. Thanks to thanks to dad. Let's 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 hold on. We we're, we're, we're going to give a thanks to the to the dad there. Um who would you say I'm I'm going to start with your home country. Who would you say in your time was your biggest competition and then we'll go world. Biggest competition Trinidad during my time was Christopher Sealy. Why? Ah. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, well, he was fast. He was when he did his personal best at the kilo, in the kilo was 1 minute point 997, I think. And um at that time he was the Pan Am record holder. I think it was like the eighth fastest kilo ever recorded at that time. Yeah. He was the 2010 Pan Am champion. He was the 2008 Pan Am champion in the max sprint and the Karen right so he, he himself he has got a pretty good resume but we, yeah. he was one year older than I is and we competed all the way up from juniors and it was just always a battle right so in his case he was outright faster than I was but that is what I think um made me become such a great racer because i had to learn different strategies to beat him even though he was yeah so that's what and that's why my um pet event became the carrot because now i learned how to change speed and outsmart certain guys and use racers against each other for my benefit while in a race so you had to use your head i like that that is awesome um who would you say when you go out of outside of your country i mean there's a i mean there's a lot of good sprinters out there max levy uh dimitri uh all of the dutch the great britain who was the person that gave you the most trouble <laughs> um on an international scale yeah Um at the Panams I would say definitely Botasso and Canelon who's Sony the yeah. Venezuelan and 
Palestinian. And internationally, yeah, I had a, a tough time with um Jason Niblet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you see, I'm a little bit older. That's so right. MacLeavy and, and I are the same age. And well, as you see, he's retired. So, like, the guys from my time, they started to retire. So, like, all the guys on the block now, they're not from my time. Yeah, yeah. I know Niblet. I know that name. Yeah, yeah. Jason Niblet, he was an Australian dude. Yes, yep. Yeah. Wow, wow. Um. Do you think that you got everything out of your career that you could get? Yeah. In what sense? So my career ended prematurely. I got injured in 2013. A knee injury? Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was hell to get, well, I was riding for Team DPS at that time. They were sponsored by an insurance company and I could not get insurance money to get the rehab done. And that was my biggest problem with coming back in the cycling. So they delayed for over a year and a half. So that year and a half, I'm doing, I'm not riding. And that was the biggest issue, I think, with the um, me getting back in the cycling. Because I did race and I do intend to race after. Mm-hmm. And I'm intend this year but you know life working is not the same yeah that's tough okay so you went from there you your knee injury really cut your career short you're only 34 years old am i right wow did you ever consider doing uh any of the six-day stuff or the kieran in japan i'd love to but i don't know how to get into the system. I, my dream was never the Olympics. My dream was always to get to the Japan Karen School and do that race. That was always my dream. Wow. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I would love to get into that. Wow. Would you come? Have you considered coming back to the sea? Yeah. I'm training. I'm training. So I would like to. <laughs> I would like to. My goal is to um, ride at the CAC Games next year. Yeah. All right. So it's not Olympic. The Commonwealth, maybe, which is this year, is probably too close. Yeah. All right. So we'll have to forego that one. But next year, 2023, will be CAC Games and Pan Am Games. So I'd probably look at that. I don't think the Olympics is a a shot for me because it just takes too much time, energy, effort, money to do the qualification process for the Olympics. Yeah. All right. And yeah, so I think, but the CAC games, the Commonwealth, the Pan Am games, I could qualify from home. Not bad. So I'm for that. Okay. In my time when I was sprinting uh, as a young man in, in, in the United States, I would always hear, tell me if I'm correct here. I would always hear that there was a series down in Trinidad, Tobago, and there were criteriums, there were track races, and it was a big series that would go on. Does that, I can't remember the name of it, but I always wanted to go there. I'd heard, you know how you just hear about something and you're like, yeah. what? Is that still think, going on? I, 
Yeah. It was with grass track racing also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So between from our local season is between um, after Ash Wednesday to Easter. Yeah. All right. So every weekend we would have racing between Ash Wednesday and Easter. So you would have criteriums, track racing, road racing, and a mix of all. But I think um, the Southern Games, they had, they particularly had crit and track and field and cycling all in one day. Yeah. And then the, um, well, there was the Beacon International. They had criterium and track racing as well. Not bad, not bad. Because I remember hearing about it, and I, I, people were talking about it when I'd go to races. They were like, they, they would have some international racers come down there and do yeah. the series. And I heard it was just amazing, but I never got a chance to get down there. Uh, the, the, the atmosphere, the crowd support was always good for those races. Okay, I'm going to ask you a very silly question. Um, I've never been to Trinidad Tobago. But I'm curious, what is it like to live there? It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> the culture is very laid back. Very laid. Very laid back. But sometimes as an athlete trying to live in a regimented structure to get the most out of your career, it may be too laid back. Okay. So you're waiting on someone and they... They're late. They're, you know, and they, they're 30 minutes late and it's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's cool. And you're not really allowed to even tell them about it because that's just the culture. You know, but you have other stuff to do. You're trying to be on time. It's, it's just too laid back. So you have, to, but, you have to get out of there to do something. Yeah. So a lot of times, like when you go to international coaches, if there's if they have coached people from the Caribbean before, they tend to give you a hard time and they're like, I hope you're not like this guy or that guy. They're always late. They don't sleep. And, you know, because the culture is just totally different. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't, wasn't Aaron Hartwell the coach for Trinidad, Tobago, Tobago, Tobago? Yeah. Tobago. Tobago. God dang it. I'm, please, y'all forgive me, okay? <laughs> Long is this is a short day. <laughs> <laughs> so Aaron Hartwell was in there, wasn't he? Yeah, Aaron. Aaron had a two stints here, actually. He did. Aaron went as the coach for Trinidad to the 2010 Commonwealth Games in India, and then he was the coach again in 2017, 17, 18, 19, I think. Wow. Yeah, I think he left in 2019. Not bad, not bad. Okay, so we're at this part of this interview where I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions. And I'm just curious of your thoughts, okay? All right, so Hasib, I'm going to ask you if you had an unlimited budget. I'm talking money was not a problem. What type of bike would you ride? And would it be mechanical or electric? <laughs> Uh, mechanical. I think I would actually, I actually love the bike I have, the BT. That BT Edge. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, if that. you, if you had unlimited budget, 
where would you ride and who would you ride with? Where would I ride? I'd probably go back to Europe. I think I'd like to do somewhere in Russia. Oh, not bad. Russia? Not in the winter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably right. Dennis himself and Matt Levy. Not bad, not bad. Okay, so I'm going to ask... Not bad. I'm going to ask you about a couple of people, and I'm just curious of your thoughts. Um, I'm going to start with Nicholas Paul. Yeah. <laughs> what about him? I think I think his results speak for itself. He's he's amazing. Yes. Like, yes. I've seen him training, and the guy doesn't stop. Wow. Like, I think one of Nicholas Paul's biggest strengths is his ability to repeat effort. So more than anything, like when guys are hurting after three solid efforts, Nicholas could probably give you five more. I wow. think at least five more. Training may stop at five efforts, but I think he could give you eight before he starts to fade off. And I think that played a big part in his rise to where he is. Because now when you're tired after five and you go, you eat, and you come back to the track, and you start falling off. He's still, so his, his quality of efforts are very high, and his ability to repeat, and I think over time, that is what led to his exceptionally fast rise to fame. And I mean, if you look at the event that he medaled in this year, yeah. it's absolute fastest guy wins, is the kilo. Wow, so his, not bad. Yeah, his, is really good. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Emil Abraham. <laughs> I think I think Emil had an exceptional career. Yeah. yeah. Those, I really respect what he did with those, um, the Panama and the CAC medal, because unlike a lot of the guys from the countries he beat, he had to do it on his own. That 2007 Panama Games medal he was the only Trinidadian in the field, and he got bronze. And uh, I think it was the same at the CAC Games. I mean, Trinidad sent a team to the CAC Games, but I, I don't think the, the, no one from the team finished except Emil, and he medaled. Dude's so a beast. Re- and he, yeah, and he has a very good road sprint. He's yes. very quick. Yeah. So I think that was his advantage. Okay, there is a. I've got to ask you about this person because I may butcher her name, but I'm interested. Tanil Campbell. Yeah, well, Tanil Tanil is having a sensational career thus far, and it. I'm I'm excited to see where Tanil's career goes. You know, I I, I knew Tanil. Akil is my boy. That's my buddy. Right? We, we talk almost weekly. You know, he'll call me, I'll call him. Right? J- just to say, hey, what's up? No, not, not for anything in particular, you know. I knew Akil, Anthony, since, I think, Akil before he was 10 years old. Right? Um, 
So to see to Neil, because she started cycling, she stopped, she went to school, and then she started back. Mm-hmm. And then she kept getting better and better. I think when I started back cycling in 2017, Tanil was actually a sprinter then, I think. Tanil, as a female, Tanil rode um, 12-0 in Cuba. And then that year, she was like, I think I'm going to go road. And then two years later, it's like, yeah, she qualified for the Olympics on the road. <laughs> wow. So I think that is a big part of the new success. She has a way better sprint than a lot of the girls who just always did road. Yeah. Wow. Not yeah. bad. I'm, I'm just so impressed to see her get in there, especially doing the classics. And she's just, she handles her business. And I'm just, I'm always yeah. just, I follow her like crazy because I just think it's dope to see. I'll just be real about it. A black woman on the stage in Europe and she's winning. Yeah. And she's doing it. Yes. It's dope. And she's, she comes, she seems like a very nice person. So I'm just so, yeah. I'm, I'm happy for her. Yeah, man. Good okay. people, good people. Good. I got one last, and he might be, I, I trained with him in Minnesota in 91, but this man, uh, he may be before, before your time, but I think you might know who I'm going. Uh, Gene Samuels. Gene Samuel. <laughs> Gene Samuel. So Gene retired from international racing, but he didn't stop racing locally. And let me tell you, Gene is one of the most annoying, <laughs> difficult race again. He's just so crafty and tactical and experienced that he's a tough guy to be even into his 50s. I was like 20 and he's well into his 50s. And if I mess up in a race, he's going to beat me. <laughs> Wow. Like, it's just really annoying to be in a race with G. It's just no, it's not going to be easy. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. How old? He's pretty old now. He's older now. He's up there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm talking like 2008, 9, 10. Like, even when I, yeah, when I came back, to cycling in 2017, Gene was on a track in Cuba and he did a flying 100 on, I think, warm-up gear 82, and he was still going 6-0 on spoke wheels. Like, damn. I, I think that day I did 6-2. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, Gene is still pretty quick. He's still good. So it's still, you know what I mean? So he's still competitive and he's there that is crazy. and he got this this yeah 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 i you know what i what was I, this is one question i want to ask you too in all the travel that you've done around the world outside of your home country what was your favorite place to go and why favorite place to go i like colombia and I like Australia. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. All right. Um, right now, you're personal training, right? 
you you also yep. do some personal training. You started a, a, a personal training business. I know you have a son. Yes, I do. Yes, sir. He's 10 years old. Really, <laughs> really energetic guy and probably too smart for his own good. Nothing wrong with that. But that's my boy. <laughs> would, you, would you put him on a bike? Yeah, he raced in, he raced in 2018. He did. Wow. And guess, huh, I, he came second in all his races to Elisha's son. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see a rivalry starting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad. Well, you know what, Hasim, I want to say thank you. I know you're a busy man. I want to say thank you for giving me the time to sit down. Um, I've always wanted to talk to you. I, I, we stay every so often in contact on Instagram. Uh, I, we yeah. both follow each other. So I just want to say thank you for giving me the time. And uh, man, stay blessed. You know that? All right. Thank you too, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been a long time since I felt important. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you are important. And that's why I had to bring you on. All right, buddy. Thank you very much for having me. All right. You take care. All right. All right. That wraps it up for this episode of Tour de Tot Cycling Podcast. Once again, I want to say thank you for listening because you didn't have to spend your time uh, uh, checking it out. Hey, um, wherever you get your podcast, if you don't mind, help a brother out. Put a five-star rating for me. And if you are interested in having somebody on uh, the, uh, the podcast or you have a question, Hit me up in my email. That's the best way to get to me. It's tourdetod at yahoo.com. Thanks, everybody. Have a blessed day.